0: Cast now with Derrick Paltrow. let get ready to listen to your favorite artists. Outrocast.
1: Technology aside, how's your day going over there, Brett?
0: Uh, you know, it's, it's a great day, especially because, well... Uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I've am i been doing a lot of press over the last little bit for the Calgary Stampede, which is great. Make a life not a living. My single is number one in Canada today. So that's why I'm saying this, uh, this you know, this might be whiskey here in the cup. I, it's 12 noon, but I'm already celebrating.
1: You actually organically popped up in my social media last night because the Megan brothers were posting about an event that they were at. And there you were. So I think the whole world is seeing you in a big way lately. But it impresses me the story behind that hit song, Make a Life, Not a Living, where the first time you heard the demo, you went, this is my single, this is the basis for the album. The only thing I couldn't figure out was when that was, like what calendar, month, and year that was.
0: Uh, that was May 27, 2020, my 30th birthday, on the day.
1: Okay. On the day.
0: Because it was Stephen Lee Olson, who's a very good friend of mine, wrote the song and he texted it to me. He said, Happy birthday, buddy. Here's a song for you. If anybody's going to love it, it's going to be you. If anybody could take it, you know, and all these wonderful compliments. And he was right. If anybody was going to love this song, believe in this song, embody the spirit of this song, it was going to be me. And he just caught me on one of the best days of my life, my 30th birthday. So sure enough, I record the song and, uh, here we are today celebrating. Was that towards the end of the birthday or the beginning of the birthday? The very beginning. The very beginning of the day. I was out on a quad ride, um, out in our four-wheeler with my kids. And uh, I was just going up and down the rolling hills on our ranch that's been in our family for over 100 years. And I I was in such a good mood, such an inspired state, especially because, as, as you know, I mean, May of 2020, late May of 2020. We've now been into pan- a pandemic for two months and we don't know how to feel. We don't know what's up. We don't know any of these things. Right. So there was a lot of darkness and I felt a real dark cloud over me. So to get this amazing song and to be in this amazing place, it felt really, really good to celebrate and have some positivity and uh, have some light shining through the dark cloud.
1: So you get the song, you know right away, this is a gem for my career. Whether or not it's a hit, this is a gem. How long had your buddy been sitting on this song
0: for? That's a great question, and I've never asked Stephen Lee. I I don't know if this is a song he might have written the day before and then sent it to me because it was so brand new. Or if this is a song that maybe he'd written five years ago and he can't believe nobody's cut it yet. Because I had a song called Drink About Me, that I recorded of a friend of mine named Matt Rogers and Ben Stennis. And I had heard the song while I was driving on in, in Hollywood in, in, uh, in California with, um, with our team and uh, Jeff Davis from go long entertainment played me this song. And he said, he can't believe it hasn't been recorded yet. And I remember thinking that drink about me was a mm-hmm. massive song and I agreed with him. I couldn't believe nobody had cut it yet. So a few weeks later, I played the Bluebird, and I invited uh, Matt Rogers to be my special guest. Mm-hmm. And, and I sat side by side, and I asked him, of all the songs and the number ones that you've had, you are such a prolific songwriter. There've got to be some amazing songs that you can't believe haven't been recorded by McGraw or Chesney or Blake or Garth yeah. or somebody. And he said, yeah, it's a song called Drink About Me, which I was hoping he was going to play. So he played that one. And I, at that time as well, looked him dead in the eyes with a sold out bluebird uh, who can attest. And I said, I need to record this song. And he said, well, it's yours. And sure enough, I did. So I love being inspired by the music. And twice now, I've been able to really follow a hunch on a song
1: as somebody who's worked in artist management, I found that there's, there are some artists that just say, hey, my manager knows what they're doing, let them keep it going. And then there's other cases where the manager says, hey, this artist, I believe in them, they can lead the train, they have instinct, that's why I'm working with them. So it's really good to see that your team goes, hey, Brett knows what he's doing, we trust his instinct, as opposed to, It's a good song, but maybe we'll find something better.
0: Well, I'll I'll be honest with you. The best part about having a great team is that at different times or different eras in someone's career, you have an opportunity to captain your own ship or sometimes focus on other things and understand that you can trust your management or your record label to be the captain of the ship uh, from time to time. So that type of relationship I've been very, very lucky to have with Warner Music as well as with my two managers, Louie O'Reilly and Jim Cressman. And even though, I mean, they would say it, and I would say it, I love steering the ship. That's my favorite thing about the career is you know, being the driving force for the creative and the idea and the concept and the songwriting and the song selection. Mm-hmm. But there have been some really special times where they've both been adamant about something, and they've talked me out of an idea that hindsight's always twenty twenty. And when you have great management and leadership, I can look back and, you know, a few years down the road or a few days later or a few months later and say, I am so glad you talked me out of that because that would have been a freaking disaster. And so that's great management. So I, I'm very proud of my team.
1: One of the things I like about you, well, there is, there's multiple things I like about you. Let me rephrase that. One of the great things about you is your social media, where you... Read it. And you go, that is actually Brett. That is actually Brett talking about his marriage and his kids. That's actually Brett talking about his experiences writing these songs. A lot of other artists on a comparable level to you, it's more, hey, I'm on the beach. And that's that's all it is. It's hey, I'm going on tour, that kind of a thing. Did you know from day one you just wanted to be yourself on social media? And did anyone ever try and talk
0: you out of that? It's A great question. I've been on social media for such a long time, you know, and I think what 2000 and 2006 I got on Twitter or 2009 I got on Twitter and and I've been on Facebook since, you know, 2004 or five. So, I mean, this is my teens. So as my followers have grown and then Instagram since what 2011, probably. Mm-hmm. So as my followers have grown, for me, the biggest thing is to understand that just because I might have hit a different level. Um, of my career doesn't mean that I need to change something has clearly been working and I believe that a big reason why I am where I am today is because I've been very real I've been open I've been honest and that's how I choose to uh, use social media as a wonderful tool and a tool for connection so yes there are so many elements of promo where I'm talking about an upcoming single or a pre-sale code on ticket sales and stuff like that but I am a fan too, first and foremost. So when I follow my, fa- like I'm, I'm a fan of this artist or that artist. And when I follow them on social media and they're literally just posting a picture of a cup of coffee, I feel like, what am I here for? Or I want the real you or as real as you can share with me. Cause, mm-hmm. But a lot of people want to be private too. And, and I get that. But the biggest thing for me on social is just to be real, open and honest. And that way, If you are truly genuine and authentic in who you are, what you say, and what you do, there's integrity to that. Because if someone comes at you, it's not because you've made a mistake. It's like if you come at me for me being my most true and authentic self, then you're not my person. And maybe I don't need you as a fan today. Uh, And if you want to come back, you're welcome with open arms to come back tomorrow. But if you're going to get at me for saying this or portraying this or living this lifestyle... Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm not going to change because this is who I am to, to my core. So I love being real because it's actually a layer of protection. And that's how I choose to think about it. Well, the
1: part you said about being a fan, you do spotlight other talent. A lot of artists are like, this is my channel. It's my music. You show your friends on there, which is great. But also to your credit, I think you're the only artist who's collaborated with Charlie Pride Nelly, and Dave Mustaine. I don't think we're gonna come up with another one. Maybe Steven Tyler, maybe he did stuff there. But how did that Dave Mustaine collaboration come about?
0: Dave, uh, Dave's a really good friend of mine. It's, it's, we haven't been able to stay in touch that much over the last uh, year or so. But um, I got to meet Dave in Nashville through my agent, Jim, who's promoting a Megadeth death tour uh, up in Canada. So when I met Dave years ago, we always stayed in touch and we were aligned on a lot of, uh, on a lot of things on you know, how his children are Electra is actually a little bit closer to my age, but you know how he's raising his kids and how my wife and I are choosing to raise our kids and what he thinks about this and what he thinks about that, what I think about this, what I think we're just aligned and I have so much respect for Dave as not just an entertainer, but as an entrepreneur and as a dad Mm -hmm. uh, and husband too. So When Electra, his daughter, was doing a songwriting camp for her new album in Glasgow, Scotland, I was invited to go and write songs with her. So I brought my wife, Cecilia, and our little baby at the time, Mila, she's now five, but we flew to Scotland. And um, what was interesting is that I had, um, I rented a minivan because I had so much luggage and a crib and car seats and strollers so when I drove from the airport to this beautiful estate and castle where we were staying to write songs, I, um, when Dave had like four or five days off from his European tour, he wanted to be picked up. And uh, I was the only one brave enough to drive on the opposite side of the road and drive this manual transition minivan thing through the mountains of Scotland and go pick up Dave And so we had like a two hour drive where we listened to music and we chatted about life. And um, he said, so we've been friends for a while now. And I said, yeah, and I'm driving and said, so uh, when are you going to ask me to do something on one of your records? I looked at him and I said, you mean you'd actually want to do something? And he's like, yeah, he says, but it has to be your most rocking badass track you've ever written. So, well, do I have a song for you? It's called damn. And it's, pretty like it's it's up tempo it's fun and it's rocking so i sent it to him he put his guitar on it and he just brought this track to life and so i didn't even tell my record label about it because i didn't i i I thought i was gonna blow their mind um until it was done i'm like hey guys uh so i've got dave mustaine on this song and it's pretty awesome what do you think and it did blow their minds
1: i can imagine the nelly collaboration has been documented that that was a case where you ran into him locally and you start talking, Charlie Pride. you pursued that one. So it sounds like you're one of those artists who's just not afraid to
0: pick up the phone and is hanging out with other artists all the time. Yeah, very much so. The spirit of collaboration um, is very strong uh, with me and with my team and we never want to turn down a great opportunity to build our fan base and to spread our wings because in this generation, in country music 2021, um, I, I love my genre. And honestly, and I'll, I'll say this, if, if, I was born in the, if I was born in the 60s and was a star in the 80s, if I was born in the 40s and I was a star in the 60s, that would suit me just fine, playing traditional country music night and day. But the era that I'm living in right now has a fan base. That even if you love country music and that is your number one go-to, I guarantee you, anybody watching this right now, if I went through your phone, you could love country music with all your heart. But I guarantee you've probably got maybe a song by Frank Sinatra, some Megadeth, which goes into Metallica, which goes into... Rush, which goes into Backman Turner Overdrive, which goes into Michael Buble, which then goes back into Frank Sinatra, which goes to Rihanna, which goes to Paul McCartney, to Led Zeppelin, to Steven Tyler, back to Brad Paisley, to Charlie Pride, to Johnny Cash, and circle its way back to Chris Stapleton, just because that's how people listen to music now. So why should I make an album that stays in a box? Mm -hmm. Why should I not collaborate with Nelly and Dave Mustaine, and Charlie Pride. Where does it say on the rule book that says I can't do that? So if sure. I could collaborate with Dolly Parton and then Jennifer Hudson on, on the same record, I would love to. If I could collaborate with Steven Tyler and then Michael Buble on the same record, I would love to. So there's no rules anymore.
1: Wow. Well, do you have time for two quick questions and then you're free? Of course. Okay. The first one is knowing what your last name is. Growing up, I was a big fan of the Jerky Boys, the prank callers, the prank phone callers. I don't know if you had them in Canada like you did here in New York. Did you know the Jerky Boys?
0: Yeah. So uh, I knew the Jerky Boys were epic for prank calls. And then there was kind of a Canadian version. There was uh, guys called Brock at 99 and they did a lot of uh, a lot of prank calls. Um, and then me in my teens, I would emulate a lot of the jerky boy stuff, um, the champ and those kinds of things. I would uh, I, I, I would prank call. Uh, I prank call my grandparents a lot. And if TikTok was around in like 2007, when I was 17, um, I I, probably have millions of followers because it was some funny shit. So the Kissel, uh, the Kissel character was one of your favorites in the jerky boys? so i haven't other than recently because some of the other pranks that i've heard of the jerky boys i thought everybody was just pulling my leg that there was actually a character like a kissel character and i didn't and i, I didn't know anything about it or especially about that series of pranks i didn't know what 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 were your favorites
1: i loved the kissel character uh, that was the uncle freddie prank Which is where Radiohead got the name for their first album, Pablo, honey, that came out of the Kissel prank. So, so, hey, you helped make history right there as a Kissel.
0: Uh, I'll take all the credit. Yes, absolutely. And maybe uh, they can send me some royalty checks for using my last name. We'll
1: see what we can do. And (laughs) my last question for you is, do you have a TV show recommendation you could pass on to somebody who needs a new show to start? Because everyone's starved for content still these days.
0: Oh, my gosh. I, I've watched so much TV and so many great shows on Netflix and Amazon Prime and the list goes on. I mean, I binged Yellowstone from start to finish and I loved it. Being a guy who grew up on a cattle ranch and owns land up in northeastern Alberta and wants to keep it in my own family for generations and, I don't know, fight off the tourists and if a biker gang came to my land, i you know, want to send all my cousins who are rodeo cowboys to Go beat them up! Like I don't know. It's Yellowstone's an epic show. Peaky Blinders um, is one of my favorites. Um, Tommy Shelby is such a great character. Killian Murphy plays him. Uh, for comedy, I love Superstore. I laugh at Superstore all the time. I love that uh, those characters. Um, I don't know. The, the the list goes on, and there's so many great documentaries. Garth's um, The Road I'm On garth brooks the road i'm on is is some of the best probably the best documentary maybe i've ever watched and um okay. and so uh yeah i tip my hat to garth brooks for uh, for someone who's very private of course he's so as an entertainer but for somebody who's so private with his private life to bring cameras into his ranch i'm uh, i'm grateful to see that
1: bottom line is this Keep up the success. Really looking forward to everything that's coming from you. Sounds like there's good surprises coming, but also looking forward to seeing you live in New York when the time comes. Thank you so much for your time, Brett. Thanks, Darren. You have a good one. Okay. How's camp going? Training is going fine so far.
2: Como tá seu camp? Ju? Uh, tá tudo dando, uh, indo bem no seu camp até agora?
3: Tudo bem, tudo está dando tanto certo como sempre, como sempre foi. Não está sendo diferente agora, a animação não só minha, mas de toda a minha equipe para a primeira defesa de cinturão. Acho que está tá tá, tá voando a nossa preparação física aqui.
2: Everything is going pretty well. Uh, like it's always been, uh, strength conditioning, the technical aspects of the training is fine. Uh, I could for anything better.
1: That's wonderful to hear, and this is her first title defense since winning the belt. Does that put any pressure, or does she not care at all about titles, and this is just a fight?
2: É, você sente alguma pressão de estar indo fazer a sua primeira defesa do cinturão, ou para você não não tem nenhum problema? É só uma luta como qualquer outra. Não, não, não vejo
3: pressão alguma Nunca botei essa pressão em cima de mim em Nessas minhas 11 lutas Eu nunca botei essa pressão E não vai ser agora é, Independente do título Tá comigo hoje Eu não me vejo nisso assim, né? Então eu vou buscar É como se eu estivesse indo buscar Um título, né? É tudo novo Zero, aquela luta passou Vamos para uma próxima né? Então é assim que eu vejo É assim que me motiva mas zero pressão para estar tudo fluindo sempre sempre da melhor forma possível
2: yeah, no pressure at all I don't see it like that I see it as me going after the world title again um, I always put myself in the position of the challenger and that's how it's always going to be uh, I don't bring any extra pressure anything that could affect my performance in any way it's something new for me every time and
1: being a champion, being such a well-regarded fighter, do you have any goals outside of MMA in general? Do you think long-term like that, saying I have goals and things I want to accomplish?
2: Uh, fora do, do MMA, você tem alguns outros objetivos que você gostaria de, de conquistar?
3: Uh, acho que eu gostaria de fazer uma. Assim que eu de lutar MMA, eu de fazer, poder fazer uma lutinha de boxe. Eu acho que seria, seria acho que eu fecharia com chave de ouro. Uh,
2: I think that's something that I would like uh, to challenge myself would be to have a big boxing fight after I'm done with, with MMA to end my career on a high, higher note.
1: Okay, well, two more questions and then we can move on with our days. And the first one is. What is life like outside of MMA and fighting? Any surprising hobbies?
2: Uh, que que hobbies você tem fora do do MMA? Começa sua luta fora da sua vida fora da luta?
3: Ah, uh, eu gosto de viajar primeiro lugar, assim gosto de viajar. Eu gosto de surfar e andar de skate. São essas três coisas aí que eu procuro fazer, estar fazendo sempre.
2: I like to to travel. And surf and skateboarding, those are things that I like to do all the time.
1: Hmm. And when she wins this great fight, what's her victory meal? What will she be celebrating with at Mohegan Sun? Any ideas on the food?
2: Quando você ganhar essa luta, qual vai ser a sua refeição de vitória? O que, é que você vai estar procurando comer lá no Mohegan Sun?
3: É, como a luta vai ser tarde né? e eu já lutei lá e depois da minha luta tava tudo fechado, não acredito que seja diferente dessa vez. E eu vou comer no refeitório, eu vou comer as pizzas e os cookies do refeitório, com certeza.
2: As my fighters on at the Mohican Sun, it probably end up late. i fought there a few times and by the time my fight ended, Everything was closed. So I will likely be looking at the pizzas at the hotel cafeteria and the cookies. They have some pretty nice cookies there. And that's what I'm looking forward to.
1: <laughs> Best of luck with the fight. I'm looking forward to seeing a championship defended well. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: The first question I have is do I call you Petey? Pete? What do you like there?
4: Uh, It depends who you are. Uh, You could call me whatever you want. Uh, But yeah, Petey. I mean, that's what most people call me in the locker room and stuff like that or when I do interviews. So Petey is good.
1: Thank you very much for your time, Pete slash Petey. Big match you have coming up in Slammiversary. Big match. And I say that because the X Division match for a lot of people is the most exciting match on the card for a pay-per-view. So you're in there. I assume that the excitement level is huge for you as well, like the
2: fans.
4: Oh man, it's like uh excitement and nerves at the same time. I mean, w- one part of me hates doing these matches because I know what it does to my body and and, and what I go through. Sure. But another part of me is excited because you know some of the best matches in Impact history have been Ultimate X matches, and you know, I've been involved in one of them as well. And you know my record is two and two, so I mean I got a good shot at winning this X Division title, like being the veteran in here. I got, uh, I think four other guys have even been in an Altimax match so they're going to see this thing for the first time just like i did and i know they're going to be intimidated
1: sure you're a veteran but it's funny when looking at your age and considering your experience you're either the youngest old person on the planet or the oldest young person on the planet like you still got plenty of gas in the tank if your career goes another 10 12 years not shocking based on how great you still are all these years later but that said anything you're still hoping to accomplish within your impact career
4: Oh man. You know, I know, I know a lot of people say, you know, I'm two-time X division champion. I would love to, you know, win the X division uh, championship one more time and have like that 13 year gap. It's been 13 years since I've I've held that title. Sure. Uh, it, and that's always been my pride and joy. I mean, the X division is uh, what I feel has put impact on the map. Uh, you know, what we're currently doing right now with Josh Alexander, I feel like he put, brings like a new type of like, you know, a technical, but also high flying aspect to the exhibition. So I'm really enjoying him and he's going to be a very uh, tough opponent, um, world champion. You know, I have had one, uh, shot at the world championship before, uh, didn't turn up my way, but you know that'd be nice. But you know, my end goal, I, I really like doing, uh, you know, the producing aspect behind the scenes stuff, doing the agent stuff. Uh, but you know, I mean, my, my main goal, in a perfect world is, I mean, I'm going to be running impact one day, man. That's the way it's going to be
1: fair assessment. I would not mind if that happened, but back to the compliments. Are you ready for more compliments or have you gotten too many already today?
4: Oh man, you're making me blush, but uh, go ahead, go ahead.
1: The Canadian destroyer move. We now see it for people who watch wrestling every week. We see it every damn week on television to you at this point in your career. Is that a compliment?
4: Yeah, I, absolutely. I I think so. I mean, you know, don't they say uh, imitation is the best form of flattery. So, I mean, and I I love being able to watch all forms of wrestling doesn't matter what company. And I can see my fingerprints like on, on each one, you know, mm-hmm. and, and this, this thing, the Canadian destroyer is old, man. It's like 17 years old. There's, there's kids younger than that that say, oh, I love your move. And I'm like, how do you even know? You weren't even born yet. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's because maybe somebody else, like, and I know how people go down those, rab- like those rabbit holes in- on Wikipedia or on the internet and stuff like that, where they're like, wow, that's a cool move. Where did it? And then they backtrack it and they're like, oh, this is the first one I've ever seen. So um, yeah, I-, I take it as a compliment. Absolutely. Uh, when it's not used as a finish, then that's kind of a slap in the face.
1: Fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, kudos to you in terms of having such a long term successful career. You know, being on television for most of the last 20 years, not a lot of people can say that. So, that obviously shows that you're a pleasure to work with, that you maintain relationships, that people want to work with you long term. So, I was trying to think, you being a music guy, who is that like where they're critically acclaimed, but they never got the gold records, the platinum records per se? Being a punk rock guy, I was trying to say, are you the TSOL of wrestling?
4: Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I, I, I know you're probably a punk rock guy. You probably listen to, you know, my podcast with Lars. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right. Well, it might as well talk about that right now as well. Um, so, yeah, the, the podcast we do as well. Um, uh, it's called The Wrestling Perspective. Do it with Lars Fredrickson from uh, Rancid, Dimitri Young. He used to play for the Tigers, Cincinnati Reds, and uh, Darren McCarty from the Red Wings. And, uh, you know, you could check us out on fight TV or anywhere you get a po- like your podcast and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I- I'm a big music guy. You can see the, you know, guitar in the background and stuff like that. I was in a band with, you know who I was in a band with.
1: Oh, I do because I interviewed him and he wouldn't talk that much about it a couple of weeks ago. Mr. Saban did not want to talk that much about the High Crusade, whose album I do indeed love. Take aim, hell a the track there, but go on.
4: Oh man, I'm surprised he didn't want to talk about. It. Uh, great guys, you know Saban is another one that's a staple. Uh, you know from impact history like you know back in 2003-4 sure. at Slammiversary he's also got a big match coming up against Moose so I think it's their first time they're actually doing battle one-on-one so I'm excited to see to see that Outrocast.